Hello, and welcome to another episode. This is a podcast that focuses on science, but I've never described what science is. That probably would have been a good idea for the first episode, but in my defense, I have no idea what I'm doing. Just as important as defining what science is would be explaining what it is not. Mistrust and disbelief in science facts are fueled by an incorrect understanding of how science works, what it's for, and how scientific knowledge is collected. But even supporters of science misunderstand the scientific process from time to time. Science may have a definition, but it means so much more than that. Let's use an analogy. What is the United States? I'm guessing most people who are asked the question mentally picture a map of the country. That answers the question of what it is by telling you where it is and also where it is not. It is not other places. But the land doesn't mean anything. Perhaps you imagined the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. Our founding documents define what kind of country we are, but is that what the United States is? Or how about the unimaginable natural beauty of the United States? Can you understand what America is without the Grand Canyon, the Rockies, the amber waves of grain, the redwoods, the rocky coasts of Maine, the Everglades, the Great Lakes, Yellowstone, or the White Sand Desert? Or how about the moon landing, Hollywood, the NBA, Times Square, or the gazillion other cultural influences America has? All those things matter, but you can't define America by implying all of them. That's too clunky. Similarly, science can't be singularly defined by appealing to everything that makes it important or possible. Science permeates every aspect of our lives. I argue that science is the most important thing humanity ever came up with. By the end, I hope you'll agree. Let's get started. Before we begin today's episode, I want to tell you that if you like this content and want to support me, there are links to my Patreon, Venmo, and more in the description on Spotify, or you can go to my YouTube channel and click the link in the banner that says support the channel. You can also check me out on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Just search Planet Peterson on those platforms. Okay, back to the episode. According to the Oxford Dictionary, science is the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation, experimentation, and the testing of theories against the evidence obtained. ChatGPT states science is a systematic and evidence-based approach to understanding the natural world. It involves using empirical methods to develop and test theories and hypotheses about how the world works. Of the two, I prefer the Oxford definition. Science is a unique practice that had to be invented. If we had invented the scientific method thousands of years ago instead of centuries ago and rigidly stuck to it, think of where we might be now. But science doesn't come naturally. You have to assume your deepest convictions may be wrong. What was the shift in consciousness that allowed humanity to come up with the concept of science? From a Western perspective, the roots of science come from Greek philosophy. Ancient philosophers and scientists are both concerned with understanding the natural world and what governs it. However, there are key differences between the two methodologies. One of the main differences is their approach to understanding the world. Ancient philosophers tend to rely more on reason, deduction, and contemplation to gain knowledge about the world. They regard themselves and mankind as being gifted with reason by the gods. The idea that mankind could have been blessed with imperfect gifts was unacceptable. Meanwhile, scientists emphasize empirical observation, experimentation, 
and quantitative methods, that is, what can be directly measured and counted to study the natural world. Another difference is the types of questions they seek to answer. Ancient philosophers were often more concerned with questions of metaphysics, ethics, and the nature of reality. These are subjective topics. Scientists tend to focus more on questions related to the natural world, such as the behavior of matter and energy, the origins of life, and the mechanisms that govern biological systems. Science can tell us that endorphins make us experience love, but science can't tell us what love is or what it means. Finally, the major difference is the methodology. Ancient philosophers relied more on logical arguments, thought experiments, and contemplation. Scientists perform experiments and collect data. A scientific experiment is built upon logical arguments, but science attempts to verify the soundness of those arguments. You can have a perfectly constructed logical argument where the premises guarantee the conclusion, but how do you know if your premises are true? That is what soundness is. Philosophy by itself does not give that to us. This is precisely why we believed for thousands of years that the sky revolves around a stationary earth. It makes intuitive sense, but it is literally false. The methodologies also differ in their organization. Philosophers worked in small groups or by themselves. Those with this status earned the right to have their ideas accepted dogmatically. Science, meanwhile, is organized around large institutions and can be carried out by anybody. Scientific information is then shared to have other scientists check the information and try to prove it wrong. We can see that science is not merely a series of steps, but a completely different way of thinking. Assume you may be wrong. Rely on more than just your senses. Where did this come from? Who invented science? Or more appropriately, the scientific method? The question is probably unanswerable. It's like asking who invented the first machine? What we can do is examine who the most influential figures were who started humanity on the pathway to science. Let me begin by acknowledging the contributions of a pre-scientific thinker, Epicurus, who lived from 471 to 270 BCE. He strongly disagreed with other philosophers, such as Plato and Aristotle. In his book titled Canon, Epicurus outlined three principles to follow when studying physics. Firstly, he asserted that our senses are the source of all knowledge while simultaneously acknowledging that our senses can be deceptive. Consequently, he argued that we must exercise caution when interpreting information and be particularly skeptical of information that contradicts other evidence. Lastly, Epicurus posited that reason should serve as the ultimate arbiter of truth. While I concur that relying on reason is essential, science has demonstrated that sometimes data, which is more objective than our intuition, can appear counterintuitive. Can the Earth really spin at a thousand miles per hour? Is light both a particle and a wave? Does an electron pass through both slits simultaneously, but not when measured? These observations may seem implausible, yet science confirms them. Nevertheless, Epicurus's emphasis on dismissing contradictory claims and remaining vigilant of our sensory perceptions marked a significant philosophical advancement. Probably the earliest figure who discussed what we consider to be the scientific method was Ibn al-Haytham, who lived from 965 to 1040. Al-Haytham was a Muslim mathematician whose greatest contributions were in optics. He rigorously studied how light behaves and moves through lenses and was a major influence to future thinkers. But I'm most concerned with his scientific attitude, which can be found in this quote. Therefore, 
The seeker after the truth is not one who studies the writings of the ancients and puts trust in them, but rather the one who suspects his faith in them and questions what he gathers from them. The one who submits to argument and demonstration, and not the sayings of another human being whose nature is fraught with all kinds of imperfection and deficiency. It's a bit clunky for modern English, but I think you get the idea. Ibn al-Haytham's work influenced a 13th century English Franciscan friar named Roger Bacon. Bacon was one of the first Europeans to advocate for using experimental methods in scientific inquiry, and he emphasized the importance of direct observation and measurement. Bacon was critical of Aristotelian philosophy and advocated for an empirical approach that sought to put ancient ideas to the test. Where Bacon separates from our modern scientific practices is his less rigorous experimental design and less emphasis on mathematical modeling. Good experimental design utilizes control groups to rule out coincidences, and it's unclear whether this idea ever occurred to Bacon. Modern science, especially in physics, has extremely high standards for determining statistical significance. You typically hear of p-values, or p is less than 0.05. A p-value of less than 0.05 means there is a greater than 95% chance the data is not due to chance. Theoretical physics holds the standard of sigma 5. Sigma 5 levels refer to standard deviations from the average of a data set, such as the data obtained by a control group. A statistical significance of sigma 5 means that the odds of the data being due to chance are less than 1 in 3.5 million. To be fair, Theoretical physics deals in far more convoluted realms than figuring out whether the Earth orbits the Sun. So the fact that these statistical standards weren't even dreamt of by Bacon isn't surprising. The next important figure was Francis Bacon, no relation to Roger. Bacon was also an English philosopher who lived from 1561 to 1626. Often referred to as the father of empiricism, he championed inductive reasoning and experimentation in the quest for knowledge and coined the word science. Many sources say Francis Bacon invented science or invented the scientific method. His revolutionary ideas, most noticeably expressed in his work Novum Organum, sought to challenge the established Aristotelian scholasticism of the time, which primarily relied on syllogistic logic and appeals to authority. Syllogistic logic is a kind of deductive reasoning that generates conclusions based on premises that are assumed to be true. All men are mortal, Socrates is a man, therefore Socrates is immortal. That is the most famous example. Deductive reasoning is usually described as going from general observations to specific conclusions. Deductive reasoning is important but does not generate grand narratives or ideas. Bacon shifted the focus to induction where we take specific observations and use them to produce general conclusions. Induction is how science produces its scientific theories. Scientific theories are formed by huge numbers of experiments, observations, and data sets that all point in a general direction. The theory of plate tectonics, for example, explains why volcanoes, earthquakes, and mountain chains exist, why the continents look the way they do, the geology of the ocean floor, and much more. A scientific theory is more than just a hypothesis or an educated guess. It is a comprehensive framework that has been rigorously tested and confirmed through various forms of scientific inquiry. In science, a theory is considered to be the highest level of understanding we can achieve, 
you can then flip a scientific theory to make deductive predictions about natural phenomena. When those predictions produce new or unexpected data, the theory can become modified and strengthened. By advocating for this new approach to studying the natural world, Bacon laid the groundwork for developing the scientific method that emphasized observation, experimentation, and the systematics testing of hypotheses. His influence inspired the intellectual climate that led to the scientific revolution and fostered the modern understanding of the importance of empirical evidence in the pursuit of scientific knowledge. Francis Bacon's lasting impact on the field of science can be seen in the continued use of his principles as the foundation for scientific inquiry today. His only arguable shortcoming was that Bacon was not an actual scientist. He performed few, if any, experiments at all, and so did not exactly practice what he preached. But a contemporary of his, Galileo Galilei, did. Galileo was probably the first scientist who ever lived. He performed careful experiments and applied Baconian methods to determine that all objects fall at the same rate, the acceleration of gravity, the moons of Jupiter, the first directly observed objects orbiting another object, the discovery of sunspots and that the sun rotates, and more. Together, these ideas shaped the modern concept of what science is. Several assumptions justify science, and there are key principles that shape how the scientific method ought to be done and how to interpret scientific information. They include empiricism, the idea that knowledge should be based on observation and experience, and that evidence should be objective and verifiable. Determinism, the belief that events and phenomena have natural causes and can be explained by natural laws and processes. Uniformity, the assumption that natural laws and processes operate uniformly throughout space and time, and are not dependent on specific locations or times. Reductionism, the idea that complex phenomena can be explained by breaking them down into simpler parts and understanding how those parts interact. Objectivity, the belief that scientific investigations should be conducted without personal biases or preconceived ideas, and that scientific evidence should be evaluated objectively. Skepticism, the expectation that scientific ideas should be tested and questioned rigorously, and that scientific claims should be based on evidence rather than faith or intuition. Testability, the principle that scientific theories should be testable through observation or experiment. Falsifiability, a key principle in scientific inquiry is that a hypothesis or theory must be falsifiable, meaning it can be tested and potentially disproven. This principle, introduced by philosopher Karl Popper, ensures that scientific claims are subjected to rigorous testing and evaluation, providing a means to separate valid theories from those that are unsupported by evidence. Parsimony, the preference for simpler explanations when multiple explanations are available. This is similar to Occam's Razor, which states that the explanation that has the fewest number of assumptions is statistically most likely to be true. Small caveat, Occam's razor is not always true 100% of the time. And finally, there's replicability, the expectation that scientific experiments and observations should be reproducible by other scientists. These core ideas are at the heart and essence of science. Nothing that can't be demonstrated should be assumed true, and nothing that can't be demonstrated can be considered a scientific idea. No claim should be assumed true based solely on the source. 
Miracles and divine intervention are unacceptable sources of truth because miracles violate the idea of natural law and divine intervention is inaccessible to other parties. Scientific ideas are subject to change. Any idea that asserts it can't be proven false is unscientific. Scientific ideas develop from the direct opposition of dogmatism and unchecked wisdom. But so what? Science schmience. Would we be doing just as well, if not better, without a scientific framework? Not if what you care about includes not dying from disease, famine, natural disasters, or pointless creed wars based on false senses of superiority. Not if you care about knowing the truth, about how the universe operates. Not if you prefer having questions you can't answer to answers that cannot be questioned. In his book, Enlightenment Now, which you absolutely must read, Steven Pinker says of science, quote, If we were called upon to name the proudest accomplishments of our species, what would we say? We could crow about historic triumphs in human rights, such as the abolition of slavery and the defeat of fascism, but however inspiring these victories are, they consist in the removal of obstacles we set in our own path. It would be like listing in the achievements section of a resume that you overcame a heroin addiction. There's one realm of accomplishment of which we can unabashedly boast, and that is science. End quote. Science is not only our crowning achievement, but our saving grace. It is the primary tool by which innovation, progress, and flourishing can be accomplished. It is precisely scientific knowledge which has rescued us from the superstition, suffering, sickness, violence, ignorance, and poverty of the past and catapulted humanity into the greatest state of being it has ever known. Thanks for listening.